0: Hi, I'm Sam, and I'd like to welcome Carmine Peace. drummer of Vanilla Fudge, known for their song, You Keep Me Hanging On, as well as their powerful rock sound. Carmine is also known as one of the most influential drummers ever. Welcome. How are you today?
1: I'm okay. How are you doing?
0: I am doing quite well. It's not every day I get to talk to a drummer quite like yourself.
1: No, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, Not every day I get to talk to a 16-year-old uh, high school radio guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, how would you define your drumming style?
1: Well, it's uh, powerful and heavy and technical. Uh, I think that's a good way to describe it. It's always been like that. And uh, when I joined the Vanilla Fudge, they were called the Pigeons, and that's what they were looking for. So for somebody who you know had technical skills and it was powerful. Uh, at the time, we didn't know we were creating something new especially I didn't with drums, I would, I just did it out of necessity to play loud because, you know, there were no monitor systems in those days and you just had to play loud to, to cut through to all the amplifiers that were being used, you know?
0: Yeah, well, so I... Can't,
1: I didn't know I was coming up with something new.
0: Yeah, I mean, your style is definitely, like, so, I mean, unique and I guess it's it's been copied and, and used again by by other drummers.
1: Uh, you know, an old friend of mine, he's a jazz drummer who's passed away now, played with the Dave and Brubeck Quartet, and he used to tell me when we did clinics, he said, look, nobody has it all. We all take from each other, and that's basically what happened, you know? I did my thing, and other people listened to me and changed their style for more what I did. You know, a perfect example of that was uh, when we took Led Zeppelin on his first tour. Uh, John Bonham liked my style, and he was listening to me before we went on the tour, And I got him a drum set, and he did certain things that I did, you know. And later on, when we toured with Ozzy and Motley Crue, I saw Motley Crue's drummer, Tommy Lee, doing some of the stuff that I did, and he got it from John Bonham. Wow. So it's like, you know, it goes down the line, you know. And I had to show him a video of us on the Ed Sullivan show to show him that I did this stuff before Bonham, you know. And that was definitely, you know, on there as my, you know, uh, what do you call it? Proof, I guess you'd call it that I did it first, you yeah. know. And, uh, and he was blown away when he saw it. You know, so that's how it goes. You know, it starts here and it goes down, 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 and, and it develops into something. Now I see a lot of drummers playing powerhouse drumming. That's you know basically what I had going for myself. And really, it's a, it's you know come from me and then gone spread out like tentacles all over the place, you know. <laughs> And like the gong, I had this first gong, you know, and then before well, you know it, everybody got gongs, you know, from Roger Taylor to Carl Palmer and John Bonham, and, you know, pretty much everybody you know, had gongs. That was the drum set of the 70s was the drum set with a gong behind you, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. So you bought John Bonham a drum set?
1: I didn't buy it for him. Uh, I was endorsed by Ludwig. Mm. drum company and he wanted a drum set just like mine because i had full giant sized drum sets normal drum set was 22 inch bass drums i had 26 inch bass drums for volume you know a, a 12 by 9 a 13 uh, by 9 with a, with a small time i had a 12 by 15 you know so all my drums were big snare drum was an inch deeper it used to be a concert snare and then it became the the rock stand because it was deeper and sadder and louder so i had those drums and i got him the same drums and which he used all his career same sizes pretty much wow you know? and uh, you know when i called ludwig i said i think these guys are going to be big i mean that's an understatement about five or six decades you
0: know <laughs> certainly certainly and i mean it's it's quite a quite a statement to say that led zeppelin opened for you right
1: yeah, I mean that, that was their very first gig, and the promoter didn't even want him on the show because we were already sold out. Mm-hmm. There was six thousand people sold out back in the day, and he said, "Look, we don't need that and We're sold out." So it ended up being my our agent was their agent, and said, so "Tell you what, you pay seven hundred fifty dollars, and Vanilla Fudge will pay seven hundred fifty dollars, and you know that way you don't have to pay the whole amount of fifteen hundred dollars, which is a joke to when you think of." Led Zeppelin for $1,500, you know? I mean, you get a local band for $1,500 these days, you know? So so we ended up paying half the money to them, $750. And on that first gig, they actually got booed off the stage. Wow. You know, because nobody was expecting that. I mean Nobody knew their material or nothing, you know, but that that stopped quickly when that first album came out. Well,
0: what was your favorite memory playing with Vanilla Fudge? Uh, I don't know
1: about favorite, but one of the most uh, unbelievable ones was when we played the Ed Sullivan show. Cause, uh, I went down in the elevator, had elevator operators in those days, and he asked this guy, how many people watch this show? They said, oh, about 50 million. So think about that. number. Wow. Uh, so we were on, uh, I got little butterflies in my stomach there when I heard that, you know, but then once I got on the drums, they went away and we just kicked ass.
0: Yeah. I mean, being on the Ed Sullivan show, like that's certainly quite a statement, you know, I mean.
1: Yeah. And we did it twice.
0: Wow. That must've been a lot of fun though. I've, I've heard things um, from people that have, have been on it. It just, it sounds like a blast.
1: It was fun. I mean, because you're able to rehearse the whole week. You know, so they got all the cameras and all the back, back lights and everything. So you look at our show. You know, it was a very psychedelic background because that that's what we were considered like a psychedelic rock band. So they they put the background on. This was all psychedelic. You know, mm-hmm. and then you you know they have the camera angle. You know, who are they gonna? You know, who are they gonna? Uh, you know, be uh, who? You know, who's who's gonna have the camera angle at this point and that point? You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and. uh all that stuff. So,
0: yeah, I mean, it sounds just so interesting, and it's so cool you got to do that. I mean, that that's just amazing.
1: Yeah, it's just you know, I was young too. I was like a little older than you. I you know, I was nineteen or twenty wow. when I did it. You know, and uh, you know, back in those days, you know, it was it wasn't really a business yet like it was today. You know, tickets for five dollars, I mean, you can come see Led Zeppelin, Jethro Tull, and LFX for five bucks. Wow! You know, I'll go see Jimi Hendrix for five bucks. You know, yeah, that, now you know, see to a thousand dollars. It's crazy now. Now it's, it's too much of a business. You know. mm
0: mm-hmm. I I certainly agree with you there. The the music just it it's more fun with uh when there's no like financial obligation to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So now it's you know totally different. Now with Spotify and everything. Musicians can't even make money on records here, of course. So the, the records are just like promotions to go out on the road, you know, where it used to make money. And if you've got a gold record, you made a million dollars, you know? They, made, they, they don't have gold records anymore. You know, nobody gets gold records anymore. A platinum, when I was Ross Stewart, we had you know, five times platinum. I played on the Pink Floyd record, was five times platinum, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that don't happen anymore. I mean, I, I myself refuse to listen to Spotify because it rips off musicians so much,
0: yeah good for you
1: it, it, I don't even, I won't even listen to it
0: yeah that was a, but, a that was a big thing, like last year, wasn't it, with like Neil Young and uh, Joni Mitchell?
1: well yeah I mean it, it's, it's a joke, really, it's a joke. I mean, I went to this convention uh, a month ago, and I heard there was these three young black women from uh, from uh, Africa, really good. I saw me and the manager. I said, so what's your plan with that? He said, well, I want to get a record deal so we can go out on Spotify and, get this and use Spotify to launch us. I said, well, how is that going to launch you? He said, well, it's like radio. That we'll get airplay on Spotify and then we can create a demand and go out on the road. I said, wow. I said, that's interesting. But, you know, it used to be you get radio airplay to sell records and you make money on records and songwriting and then you go on the road. And now all that... Songwriting and, and you know making money on the records is out the window. Yeah,
0: know? I guess like the the record buying and selling industry is just kind of a, became become less of a, a part of the. I mean,
1: did you watch the Grammys last night? I did not. I did not either. Okay, why? You know, every act sounds the same. You can't distinguish anything. You know, it's all rap and pop. Oh, it's all about you know, chicks dressing up looking sexy and good looking. Same with the guy, you gotta be cute and, and and be able to sing like uh you know, everyone sounds the same. It's all the same backing music. There's no there's no real musicians backing anybody anymore, you know? Hmm. So, I mean that's why the whole music business I mean it used to be, you know, you heard Led Zeppelin, you know Led Zeppelin, you know Queen, you know this one, you know that one. Now you just know a song.
0: hmm that, Yeah, that's yeah. so true.
1: You don't know the artist. You know a song. There's no information on the artist. Like, you, know, you get an album, you read all the stuff, you have pictures, you have posters. It yeah, made it fun. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting too old. <laughs> 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 but, you know, it, it's always been like that ever since records were invented. Mm-hmm. You know, that they had, they had labels, they had information that, you know, that, uh, you know, you had a Frank Sinatra album, you, you know, that's way back, you know, way before rock. Mm-hmm. And there's information on it, you know. Yeah. Now you download Spotify, what do you get? I don't even know what you get, because I don't do it. You <laughs> tell me.
0: Well, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I've heard, like, in, um, I guess, like, in the 70s or, or 60s, when you put out a record, you're, you're competing with the other records that are put out. When you put out something now, you're competing with all the music that has ever been recorded, which is just, yeah. it's such a weird thing to think about.
1: Okay. You know, when they say, oh, listen to over a million songs, I'm like, what?! Yeah. You know, over a million songs. And think about that. You know, that's unbelievable. That's, I mean, look. If, if if the generation today like it, it's great. You know, I just uh, I don't do it because I think it's ripping musicians off. Even mm-hmm. the young musicians, they're not getting paid for anything. Mm-hmm. You know. But uh, you know, I was lucky. Not on wood. I made it when there was the music business wasn't a business yet, and then when it became a business. You know, I was playing with like Rod and Ozzy and Ted Nugent. Jeff Beckmore, we have a new Beck and piece, the double, Peace double gig album coming out. Ooh. It's his 50th anniversary of DBA, which is this year. And who knew Jeff was going to pass away?
0: Yeah. It's, I, I, you know,
1: it's, it blew me away. I mean, this guy's been healthy all his life. He's been a vegetarian, didn't smoke, didn't drink, drank a very little bit, didn't do drugs, you know, and what a loss to the music business. He was definitely the best. And it's so original, like, you take Jeff Beck. When you heard him play, you know it was Jeff Beck, you know?
2: Yeah, well. Today,
1: you wouldn't know anybody. You know, there aren't even any guitar players today. Yeah. You know, the business has gone totally keyboard, drum machines, and a vocal. Yeah. Well, and if you rap, if you rap, it's a drum machine, maybe a bass, and a rap.
0: hmm. Well, it must have been like. As a person that played a lot with Jeff back, it must have been so surprising um, when he passed. It's,
1: it was a shock. Total, more than surprising, it was a total shock because you know we're working on this live album, uh, and we we sent we sent to the liner notes to Jeff and his manager on Sunday, and then I heard Wednesday he died. Wow. So we were waiting. We were waiting for the comments back on the liner notes. You know, I mean, I mixed this album. Right now I'm listening to the test presence to make sure, you know, they don't skip and all that. You know, it's a record, you know, record skip sometimes you have to look at it under like a microscope and see why it's skipping. Then they fix it, you know, but, um, it was a shock. I mean, for two days I felt really shocked and I felt empty because I know the guy since 1967, you know, we were good friends. We played in bands together. We jammed together. We, you know, we did albums together and it's just terrible, you know, really bad. We had a big loss to the music business, especially the guitar, the guitar end of the music business, whichever left of it.
0: Yeah, he he was certainly a, a legend, that's for sure. Like with everything he well, did it was just incredible.
1: Beyond beyond being a legend, he was a one of a kind. Nobody played like him, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, I started my things out as a lot of guys like playing my style. Even nobody plays like Jeff Beck. He was so unique. Now, Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, you know, the three of them were in the oddbirds. We always called them the big three, but nobody played like him. He, Eric Clapton, don't neither is Jimmy Page, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, oh gosh, Jeff Beck is incredible musician, and and you mentioned before you you've played on lots of like other musicians' music, like you played with Ted Nugent, Pink Floyd. Like, wh- what's your favorite of those those things you've done?
1: Well, I mean. You can't really hit a favorite. You know, it's just like you go to Baskin-Robbins and go, wow, what's my favorite ice cream? Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a bunch of favorites, you know? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So everybody was different. You know, playing with Pink Floyd was totally different than playing with Ted Nugent. Totally different than playing with Beck. Totally different than playing with Ozzy. You know, it's just uh, it's just different animals, everybody. You know, I had good times with everything Uh, Pink Floyd. I didn't do anything except play on that album, you know? And it was weird that Bob Bob Ezrin, the producer, left a message on my back in the day in a message machine. You know, it was taped. He said, "I, I got. A, I'm producing a band that's screaming for Carmine drum fills." And when I called him, he says, "Pink Floyd." I said, "Where's Nick?" You know, and Nick is the drummer. He said, "Oh, he's here, but they wanted some new energy. And this this track is screaming for your kind of drum fills." I said, "Okay." So I went with my roadie, set up the drums, and we did it you know? Yeah, that's... And, uh, and it was great. And there went, you know, five, six, seven times platinum. So I got, I got a gold and a platinum record on it. And I, I could have got five platinums. I have no way to put it. <laughs> to tell you the truth, I got a five platinum in New York. We have a place in New York. And I got a five platinum Rod Stewart one in New York with a gold BBA and a gold vanilla fudge. Pretty much that's all I could fit in that apartment. The rest of them are down here in my studio. And, uh, which is, Another great thing that I have today, I have a studio in my house with the drums already set up. So it used to be a problem like that, Pink Floyd. I had to get my roadie to bring my drums there, set them up, get the sounds and all that. It always took like two or three hours to do that. Now I got drums set up in my little studio. They stay up, they... um I have all the same sounds. The, the air conditioning's on, the humidifier is on, so the drums don't change sound much. So, like, you know, I'm putting tracks together. I did a new King Cobra album that's coming out this year. I did a new um, Peace Pordomo album, uh, which is called Running Up That Hill, like uh, the Kate Bush song. We redid it with a heavy guitar and drums mm. instrumentally. This album is all instrumental. Right now we're doing a, a, a Cactus in, um, Influences and Friends album, which is people that were influenced by Cactus, my other band from the 70s, before we did the Beck stuff. Um, and we got people like Joe Bonamassa on that, Steve Stevens from Billy Idol, uh, Ted Nugent's going to play on it, and Billy Sheen on it. We've got an array of stars on there. you know. And I'm doing it, all the drums are done in my studio. And it makes it easy that I don't have to go set up drums somewhere and get a sound. That's the worst boring thing of the recording business. I go in there and hit each drum. Normally, I get a roadie to start to get it to a point, and then I fine-tune it. But now, everything's set up. I just walk in there. I got classic bass drums in there. I got classic snare drums and toms and cymbals, and, you know, like i I'm just starting a new project with Derek Sherinian. Uh, Derek played with uh, Dream Theater. He played with Sons of Apollo. He played with uh, just a lot of great people like that. Mm. And uh, he's done solo records, a keyboard player. So we're starting a tribute to Jeff Beck. um, And we're going to... Try and get as many great guitar players to play on it, you know, because he said to me, if anyone should do a tribute, you should. You know him the longest of anybody, of any of the drummers that he played with. You know him the longest. You were his friend for the longest time. You should do it. And I, I said, look, man, I'm really busy. I got a lot on my plate, you know, doing King Cobra, doing this other one, doing the BBA Live, doing... The cactus thing. I said, I'll tell you what. If you do it with me, I'll do it. He said, okay. So we tracked the first song. I did the first drum track. I'm gonna send him today, and then we're gonna do the second one and third one. We don't even have a label yet, but we're gonna do it because we both have studios. It's easy to do. Everybody has their own studio now. Mm-hmm. You know, last night I uh, I got the track for uh, Vernon Reed. He played with Living Color. Uh, they're a, a great band from the 80s. You know, uh, 90s they were a black heavy metal band, Okay. you know, and they're awesome players. So players, is great. So he sent me, he's got a studio in his house. I sent him the tracks. He sent me the track back. And then I, I, I he sent the first one. I said, man, can you make it a little more of this or that? And then he sent it again. You know, it's everybody's got studios in their house. It's easy to do now. You know, you don't have to, everybody go into a studio, you know, that's why studios are, you know, getting out of business too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that Jeff Beck album just sounds really cool. I, I I'm looking forward to hearing that.
1: Well, it's live in two places. It's live in 1973 when we first got together and went to Japan, and the energy levels off the hook, you know. And it came out only in Japan. It was uh, always around as a bootleg. You'd have to pay, you know, upwards of seventy-five, eighty dollars, a hundred dollars a pop wow. for this. But now it's going to come out on this on this box set was also live in 1974, the last gig we ever did in London, England, but it has seven new songs on it that were never released. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do most of the singing on it. When I was young, I was able to sing that stuff. Now I'm a, a bit older and, you know, my voice is a little lower. Mm-hmm. But um, I was just, I'm listening to the test pressing. And man, it has more freaking energy. It's, uh, I was 28 years old, so was Jeff around that age and Tim too. And there was no trio like this. It was just crazy. Yeah, so it's, it's like, I called it, I I call it control, uh, control noise, (laughs) basically, Mm, you know, or out of control music, you know, but it's really wild. It's very wild. Last time I talked to Jeff, he said, this music is great, great playing, but also humorous. I said, what do you mean by humorous? He goes, well, I'll do something stupid and then Tim will answer me and then you'll answer Tim and it just goes around. It keeps going around, you know, like that. And I said, yeah, I guess you're right, you know. But it is humorous, controlled noise, you know. It's it's jamming, you know. We only wrote songs to get into the playing, the jamming part of the song, the solos, you know, back in the day. You didn't write a song to get it on the radio to get a hit song. This was album-oriented radio where people would play the whole side at the time, you know. Can, can you imagine that, doing that on the radio today? Forget about it. There's no radio, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but that's what made it great. It was like musicians just letting loose, and, and audiences loving it. You know, and that happened with me when my group Blue Murder, which had John Sykes, was in White Snake, and Tony Franklin, that was in the firm with Jimmy Page. We we opened up for Bon Jovi, and we were a jam band. And you know, Bon Jovi's audience was all girls. But the fact that we looked good and we played our butts off, and we were jamming, and that audience was getting off on it. You know, so. It's so different now, you know?
0: Yeah, no, the the music industry has certainly changed so much. It, it's really interesting. I, I feel like it's changed more than a lot of industries um, in the past.
1: Yeah, yeah. well, the, the computer changed everything, you know? Every market, every industry, mm-hmm. you know? Every industry is, is run by computers. You know, flying the planes, computers, you know, the, the towers, the computers, the internet, you know, doctor's offices. I mean, you name it
0: yeah yeah that's very true the
1: the, the interview we the interview we're doing right now
0: yeah computer (laughs) yeah you got that right yeah well you played a lot of live gigs well with with led zeppelin um and with Jimi hendrix right that must have been quite crazy
1: well you know Jimi hendrix wasn't the um, the legend he is now Mm -hmm. you know he was just another one of the bands that were, were big at the time. You know, it was Hendrix, there's the Cream, there's the Who, there's the Vanilla Fudge, the Jefferson Airplane, you know, that kind of stuff. And well, we were all big bands, you know? Mm-hmm. But just that Hendrix died after three years. So when somebody dies, their legend gets bigger. When he died, he didn't have any money in his estate. Now his estate is well over $100 million. Wow. You know? So, I mean, that's an example of what happens when you die. Jarvis Chaplin wasn't as big. As she was when she died, <clears throat> and then she got bigger because that was it. The end. <clears throat> I I assume Jeff Beck's legend is going to grow now too.
0: <clears throat> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's interesting. You
1: know? But he, you know, he lasted a, a lifetime. You know, he's been playing for fifty years. Where those guys were three years. You know, three years. I mean, Vanilla Fudge was only together three years. Wow. When it broke up, you know, but still people talk about it. We still, you know, we we get we get. At gigs, we get, uh, you know, our songs are in different uh, movies and TV shows and all that stuff. You know, that shows the, you know, the span of time or the test of time, you know?
2: Yeah, I Same mean. And with the
1: stuff I did with Rod Stewart, you know, like uh, the other day I walked out of the UPS store and over the, you know, the, uh, it was like a shopping center and I heard hot legs on the hmm. on the speakers, you know? And I'm going like, to oh, that's hot legs, you know? <clears throat> that's how you know that, you know, the music you've done tests the span of time when you still hear it today.
0: Yeah, that must be such like a, a wholesome, like, wow experience, right?
1: It is. You know, just like in 1971, I wrote this drum book, an instructional book that sold I don't know, half a million copies. And still people today talk about it. I get emails and things on my Facebook showing the book cover. I say, man, I went through this book. It helped me so much. And, you know, I'm taking students now through the book and you know, it made me feel good because I wrote the book just because I didn't. I think the market needed it. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, so it's a good feeling knowing that, knowing what I've contributed to to that and the education of drummers. You know.
0: Yeah, that that must be great.
1: Well, as I said, this has been my career, it's been my life. You know, for, uh, fifty-seven years. My keyboard player Mark Stein, he's going to sing on the uh, Cactus record, and he said. How about this? We know each other for 57 years. I thought about that. I remember when my father used to go, I know a guy for 40 years or 50 years. I used to think that was amazing. And here we are, 57 years I know Mark Stein. From wow. the
0: Fudge. Yeah, that's crazy. And we, lost, and
1: we lost him. Now we lost Jeff. I'm the only man standing in BBA. Mm-hmm. So now all the, you know, like, listen to the test pressings, all that stuff falls on me now. <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah, yeah. Huh.
1: Cool. You know? That's, That's what I'm gonna do when I'm done with you. I'm gonna go back to listening to the test pressing. I'm halfway through.
0: Well, all right. I'll I'll let you get back to that then. Sounds like okay. a okay. Well,
1: Sounds good. Will you grow and have a good life? All right. Yep. I hope you end up in the radio business, even though um, you'll end up playing some rap songs and and pop songs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: well, which you know, which is great for you. You guys' generation. You know, we all have our generation of music. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Uh Mine wasn't that, you know. This song, I played on a Bootsy Collins rap song the other day. Oh, you know, so you know. I mean, I I, I play I play, I like playing all different kinds of music, you know, heavy metal, you know, uh, funk, jazz, jazz rock, rock jazz, whatever you want to call it. You know, and all the only albums I got coming out, they're all different. I got King Cobra, which is like 80s metal. I got Cactus Records, which is blues rock. I got my instrumental uh, band, which is, uh, M- which is kind of rock jazz, you know? And then I got the, uh, the BBA record, which is jam band, you know? So I like playing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. When yeah. I was a kid, I did play all kinds of stuff. I grew up playing weddings, bar mitzvahs. I played mambo's, merengue's. I played all that kind of stuff. I played rock. I played jazz. You know, and that's been my whole life. I've always played different stuff. So hmm. I'm just continuing that
0: now. Well, all right. That sounds like a lot okay? of fun. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, you have a good time. Good luck with your Thank radio. Thank you, yeah. And, uh, I'll talk to you next time, okay?
0: I'm Sam, and that was an interview with Carmine Apice, the drummer for Vanilla Fudge, Cactus, Beck, Boger, and Apice, and, and so many more. If you enjoyed that interview, make sure to check out my back pages on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much any other podcasting platform to listen to other great interviews just like this one.